This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Service at Ohio University. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach, and my recent book is Find Your Happy at Work. Today, we're going to focus on personal branding and on why your brand does matter, even if you don't believe that a person should have to worry about what other people think. Our guest, Tyler Mount, is a branding expert and the CEO of Henry Street Creative. That's a branding agency with expertise in social media, video production, and digital marketing strategies. But Tyler is a man of many skills. For one thing, he's a Tony Award-winning producer. Also, pre-COVID, he created the Tyler Mount Vlog, a very fun series of video interviews with Broadway stars and other big personalities. Tyler will talk about what's involved in shaping your brand and why branding matters for all professionals, including when you're just starting your career. He'll offer tips about platforms that can help you shape your career brand, and he'll share insights about how he manages his own reputation. Tyler, thank you so much for joining me here today. I think branding is one of those topics that is sometimes not as popular as it should be, and it really matters. So I'm Very excited to have your expertise here today. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, before we get into all the branding, I I want to ask you to tell us a bit about your career. We always like career stories here, but yours is kind of mind-blowing because you're a branding expert. You know all about digital marketing and things like that, but you've done a few things and you have um, won a Tony as a producer. So would you just kind of tell us how your career evolved and and how you became who you are today? Well, of course, that is certainly a complex question. I don't know if you have enough airtime, but I'll um, I'll certainly <laughs> make it as as quick as possible. You know, I grew up in in super small town Texas, three hundred people, one stoplight. I, I knew my entire life I, I had to get out of Texas. I wanted to get out of Texas. It was just a part of my being, and that place I always wanted to go from the from grade three was New York City. It was never a question. I knew I was going to college, and then I knew I'd go to New York City. Um, and so that's ultimately what happened. I, I moved to New York City. Um, you won't believe this. Ten years ago today, I'm celebrating my wow. rite of passage being a New Yorker today with you, Beverly. So uh, I can't think of a better way to spend it. But you know, I, I moved here. Well, I appreciate it. You know, <laughs> I I looked to move to New York City specifically to be involved in the Broadway community. At the time, my number one goal was to be an actor because I thought that was the only way that you could find success. So, you know, I, I did the traditional actor thing that a lot of people have done or a lot of people have heard. Auditions, early mornings, tons of rejection. And frankly, I was a shell of a person that I am today. I was anxious. I was having panic attacks. Everything that was supposed to feel right no longer did. And at the time, I've always been wildly motivated, self-sufficient. 
And I said, look, I'm going to be involved on Broadway, even if it's not in the same way I thought. So I I got my quote unquote lucky break, which most people wouldn't think is a lucky break because it's not glamorous, but uh, a very large producer gave me a job um, painting sets, specifically the back of sets for an off-Broadway company. Like think about the lowest job on the totem pole. That was me. Yeah. But guess what? I showed up every day. I had a great attitude. Um, and that supervisor told the producer that, um, you know, I had a great attitude and, and clearly not what I wanted to do, but, you know, was really, really good at doing all of the the spreadsheets and and pricing lumber and doing everything Tyler wouldn't typically be caught dead doing. And, and the rest is, is history from there. She sent out my resume um, for quite a few stage management positions on Broadway, which was my secondary major in college. So I had tons of experience here in, in the professional sector. And, you know, within one week, I was on Patti Lapone's Broadway show as a stage manager with her. And, you know, five, six shows later, I had a really, really incredible experience at a young age. You know, at the time, I was one of the younger production assistants, one of the younger stage managers on Broadway. And like any job on Broadway or any creative endeavor, there's not a lot of security there, right? It's It really is contract to contract to contract. So in between two contracts, I was doing a show at the time called On Your Feet, which was the story of Gloria and Emilio Estefan. And, and what I did during those two contracts is on a whim, I started a Broadway vlog series really as, you know, um, as as you know random and and funny as it was i woke up one morning and was like oh this is what i want to do this is what's going to give me you know fuel and passion and and all of those things so look i started this broadway vlog and the conceit was quite simple beverly someone would sit on my couch literally in my living room and we would drink some wine and we'd play a game and then i send them home and this started as a joke, and then it changed my life. By the time I'd been doing it for four years, I'd been fortunate enough to sit with some of the largest performers on earth. Um, you know, the Gloria Estefans, the Billy Porters, Lin-Manuel Miranda, they've all done iterations of the show. All and in your apartment on your own couch? Correct, right? It That was the wow. entire bit, right? I didn't have a studio. Uh It was filmed in my actual New York City studio. And all of these, you know, wildly famous people were coming over to my house. Keep in mind, people that I adored, people that I absolutely loved, loved growing up. And here they are sitting in my living room, um, oftentimes at the end of three years, because they asked to be there. So that was that was the biggest, biggest um, blessing and, and the biggest you know, um, career opportunity for me. Long story short, you know, it, it was acquired by Playbill, the Broadway legacy brand. And I became what many would call the first Broadway influencer. I was fortunate enough to see almost every show on Broadway for free because the show's found out that I could sell more tickets than a traditional marketing campaign because I had thousands and thousands and thousands of ticket buying adults who were watching my content and deciding what to choose. So, you know, that little vlog that started as a joke 
when I when I finally finished it and I said, I've done this long enough. Thank you for the memories. Thank you for the ride. We were sending that vlog to 3 million people in 168 countries every week. So to say wow. that it was absolutely a remarkable experience um, is, is an understatement. As recently as yesterday, I was on vacation in Texas and I had someone come up to me screaming because they used to watch my content. And that's not about me. It really is. Uh, it really gave me my start in brand to bring it full circle. I had a really, really powerful brand on Broadway, not so much anymore. I very you know, willingly walked away from that. But that experience accidentally showed me the power of digital marketing. It showed me the power of community and it showed me the power of branding. So from there, I, I left Broadway. I, I worked at NBC as head of digital marketing for their content commerce division. I went off to do real estate development. And since then, I've owned my own agency, really focusing on the power of building brand and community around you, um, performance marketing, digital marketing, and helping some of the world's most prolific, biggest CEOs and organizations do the same for their brands. Well, let's talk about what a brand is, not a brand for a company or organization of any sort, but personal branding. What do you mean when we talk about brand? What do you mean when you say a brand? So you make a really great point, Beverly. A lot of large organizations come to us and say, can you help us with your brand? And I say, of course, but it's less about the organization, right? People are here to build relationships with human beings. And so I have found, and a lot of data backs this up, the fact that people want to transact with people. They don't want to transact with the product. They don't want to transact with real estate. They don't want to transact with a service. They want to transact with a human being. So we'll take T-Mobile as an example. Right? I don't care about T-Mobile and their pricing structure or how much service I get in the United States. I, as a consumer, care what T-Mobile stands for. I care how T-Mobile makes me feel. I care if T-Mobile makes me feel positive. And those things are directly correlated to the executive team that leads the organization. And so what I have really started to find is that personal brand, even at the largest Fortune 100 company, is far more important than corporate brand. Now, don't get me wrong. There's always a place for corporate brand and brand equity. You know, that's how Budweiser is Budweiser and Chase Bank is Chase Bank. But at the same time, when we're talking about individuals, whether you are an actor, a writer, a lawyer, an insurance salesperson, a real estate agent, or a podcast host, Beverly, your personal brand is the single most important thing you have because it's the only delineating factor right? Your ability to do a podcast doesn't make you special. Your ability to be Beverly on this podcast makes you special. That's your differentiator. And owning that is the single thing that I have found to be the delineating factor in success at a corporate level and at a personal level. So everybody has a brand, whether they know it or not. Everybody has a reputation. They have a presence. Uh, they have um, a value system, and the the brand isn't exactly the same as them. The brand is what other people pick up from whatever it is you're putting out. Is that right? That's entirely correct. You know, we talk about branding as consumer perception. Notice I didn't say fact. So whether your beer is good or bad or your clothing is cute or not cute, it doesn't matter. 
it only matters what the consumer perceives it to be. So, you know, a, a very, very clear example is uh, let's take T-Mobile, right? T-Mobile before someone like John Ledger, who revolutionized telecommunications, who revolutionized T-Mobile to be one of the leaders in mobile carriers. Before, there was a perception that T-Mobile was the value carrier because it was cheap and it had the worst service and it had the worst deals. And the perception was poor people use T-Mobile. And did I say any of that was truthful? Of course, it's not truthful. But that was the perception from a majority of consumers. So what did John do? He came in and said that I am eccentric. I'm irreverent. I have magenta hair sometimes. I bleed magenta for this brand. And I'm going to make this brand hip, cool, edgy. Now, did he also massively expand the network and all of those things and provide a better service? Certainly. But his number one goal was to change the brand and the ethos of the brand. It still costs the same amount of money. The service is better, yes, but it is now the hip, cool brand. And that's why a brand like Sprint would agree to merge, right? So that's a really, really clear example that perception is key. And it, it doesn't mean that who you really are doesn't matter. You illustrated when you talked about your very first job, when you were painting the back of sets, your attitude was that you were going to do the best you could. You showed up every day at work. So the essence has to be there, but it's not just the essence. It's what other people are picking up. And so what a branding expert does then is help with the pickup, right? It's helped to, to have you be the best you could possibly do and have other people perceive it. Absolutely. So I look at it as the perfect intersection between authentically portraying who you are as a human being and that intersection point between user perception, right? It's finding that balance and it really is an art, not a science. And so finding that connection is what's most important here. So if you and I were at a cocktail party or something, and we just started chatting, and um, I'm just getting to know you, and you wanted to uh, have me have a sense of your brand, what would you try to uh, describe? And you know, just a few sentences we have, what do you, what do you most want people who are your first meeting to know about you? Certainly. So me personally, you know, uh, believe it or not, even though I'm giving you my best NPR voice, I am certainly, I'm certainly very outspoken. I'm certainly over uh -huh. the top. I am certainly unapologetic, respectful, but unapologetic, of course. So, you know, what I, what I really focus on is really unabashedly owning who I am, my humor, my love of Broadway, my ability to talk to anyone in a room. For so long, I hid that because of a perception of what that meant living in small town Texas and, and having that personality. Now it's my biggest asset. So I really own that. And that's how I work with my clients. I would want you, Beverly, to act exactly how you do when no one's watching, right? And if I, Tyler, don't like that, that's Tyler's problem. That's not Beverly's problem to adjust to the way that I would best be perceived by you. And I think that's the biggest lesson here. There will always be someone who doesn't, I'll say, 
jive with you based on your personality or what you like or your hobbies or your political or religious beliefs, right? But that, that's a fact. We know that there will always be people who dissent. So once you understand that and you own that and you say, well, I want to be surrounded by people who love me for being who I authentically am, that's when you really start to change the narrative. So let's uh, look at young professionals maybe who are just coming out of college or maybe they're still in college or maybe they've been working for a year or two. Yeah, it's absolutely. a little bit delicate, isn't it? I mean, um, what you, what they want to show their friends, that may not be what they want to show potential employers. So how do you, how do young people balance um, the kind of brand they want to have? And then if you're just beginning, how do you get that word out? What platforms do you use? Or how do you create uh, a system for managing your brand if you're just getting started? Absolutely. So, you know, there are two major parts to this question. First, let's address how a young person, right, really focuses on their personal brand, especially when they're just starting. Or maybe, let's be honest, when they're 22 and they don't know what their brand is. My brand at 22 would have been very different than it is today. And so, you know, what I would say here is quite simple. Again, I go back to it's the intersection of perception and truth. If your truth at 22 years old is getting drunk every night, look, I would say that that's not uncommon for a college experience, but you have to remember what is the perception of the employer, okay? So that's really important to remember. Us doing shots every night on Instagram is not a smart idea in terms of getting hired. At the same time, if you are loud and carefree and effervescent, you getting on social and wearing a suit and tie and being polished because you're scared that an employer doesn't want to hire you because you um, love having a glass of wine with your friends, there's a very big difference there. So the first thing I would say is always start from a place of authenticity. If nobody was watching, who would I be and what would I be doing? From there, focus on that other line, which is how is this going to be perceived from a potential employer, a potential consumer? Now, keep in mind, we can't make decisions based on what we think other people will say, because there will always be people who disagree. There will always be people that agree. So our number one goal is to merge those two things. So in terms of what we do, I would say focusing on being who you are, owning that. If that is you being a 22-year-old in Texas who loves Broadway and no one else understands, then by God, be that because you'll find your tribe. I'm living, breathing proof of that. If it is, I, I am a really headstrong future politician who can walk you through um, every law that's being passed right now at the legislative um, branch then let's own that. Are people going to say that that person's a nerd? Sure. Are there going to be people that say that he's wild or he or she is wildly um, talented and a future politician? Certainly. So again, it's really on connecting those two things. In terms of where you do this, you know, I would say it really depends person to person based on who you're trying to reach. For me personally, I have a uh, a massive agency. I have a massive consulting agency. And so the majority of my my consumers and clients come from LinkedIn. So, you know, I, I'm doing a lot of opportunities like this with you, Beverly, um, and, and really sharing my love of branding and, and personal identity. 
But you know, it's posting a lot on on LinkedIn for me. It's posting regularly inspirational custom video content on Instagram. But look, if you're a 21 year old who has a really cool new makeup brand, you getting on LinkedIn and pushing it isn't a smart decision. It's not bad. It's not smart though if you're trying to grow your business from a consumer standpoint. Doing that on TikTok and hitting you know the audience demographic that actually wants to use the product is key. So it really is whether it's regarding content or where to post it, figuring out who is going to be consuming that content. And in that case, following suit. So let's talk a little bit about your agency, the Henry Street Creative. I'm assuming probably your um, clients are not young people just starting out. They're people who have a business or selling something who are your clients and how do you get started when a new client comes in and maybe somebody like me and maybe I want to sell a book or maybe they're a realtor, they want to sell houses. How, how do you get started and, and what platforms do you use? Certainly. So, you know, I'll say that, you know, I, I, I hold the confidentiality of a lot of my clients closely for obvious reasons, but I, I can tell yeah. you, you know, currently or, or formally, you know, I've worked with the leaders in terms of C-suite leaders for telecommunications, you know, John Ledger, um, Spencer Raskoff, who is the founder and owner of 75 and Sunny, which is a large VC firm in California. He also invented Zillow.com, the most popular real estate website on earth. I've done work for the president. I've done work for the largest brokerages and the largest real estate agents on earth. I brought multiple um, brands and successful startups to market and then towards, you know, uh, eventual acquisition. But, you know, what I will find it to be the case is that you will know that my roster sure has a lot of CEOs and executives. We have a lot of corporations and a lot of brands on our roster. And if you looked at that, you would say, Tyler, I don't really understand your niche. Everyone's like, oh, find your niche, find your niche. I believe that I am my niche and it's working with the people who want to work with someone with my energy and experience. Like I said, I've worked in the political space, the nonprofit space, um, pharmaceutical, finance, um, um, the S&P 500, you name it, right? I've really worked at the top echelons of many industries. And the reason I think this is possible, unlike other traditional marketing firms, is because to your point, Beverly, it is always the same process, whether you are a real estate agent, a podcast host, or the CEO of Microsoft, right? And we start very simply. The first thing I tell, the first thing I tell any brand, any person on my end is I don't care about the corporate ideology. I don't care about what you're looking to do. I only care about who you are. And that's where I start strategically, finding out who the key stakeholders are, what they want to do, who they are as people. I don't care about who they are in the office. I want to know about their family. I want to know about their hobbies, their passions, their dreams, their aspirations. Why this job? Is it for the money? Is it for the value add? Is it for your ability to give back? You can understand so much more about someone asking those type of questions. From there, we really get into a robust marketing ecosystem because it's not just social. It's not just website. It's just not photos. It's not just content. It's really an ecosystem of how all of these things work at the same time. So my number one goal is to first find out who these people and consequently their brands are authentically. From there, setting them up with a profoundly robust marketing ecosystem that is 
this is important, always ROI positive. I will never retain a client if they are making less money than they are paying me. Um, and then finally, really focusing on how we highlight that personal brand on the personal level, of course, and then at the corporate level. Well, let's make this simple for our listeners who are not in a position to come to an agency like yours, but want to maybe have a bigger presence. Maybe they want to, um, maybe they're thinking about their next job or they want to be better known in their industry. Do you have some suggestions for people who are not, don't have your skill set and they don't have a lot of resources, but they want to start using, whether it's social media or other things? How, how do you get started if you're just really thinking about your brand for the first time? Certainly. So, you know, the first thing I'll say is you make a very valid point. The agency model, aka having a group of individuals who are world-class experts in a certain field, work on your account or work with you, is in New York City, oftentimes, I would say almost all the time, cost prohibitive. That's because the traditional agency model is broken. And that is how I really developed my agency. It sure targets, you know, these CEOs and thought leaders in, you know, in a certain space with considerable resources. But our rates at Henry Street Creative are are almost half, sometimes 60% left less than a traditional agency. Why? Because A, I don't find the need to have an office or brick and mortar that allows me to hire the best in the country and not pay for office space. But and pass that savings directly on to my consumer. But most importantly, what we do is we hire multi-hyphenates, meaning instead of having one person who only does paid social and one person who only does logo design and one person who only does copywriting, we hire people at a higher price point who are world-class in multiple aspects. From there, we're able to cut our costs significantly and make our costs more palatable for the everyman. And so that is why I'm able to offer these services to Fortune 100 companies, but also individual consumers like you. So my goal would be to say, okay, how do I really focus on getting the everybody, the everyman, theoretically, in my doors so that I can help build their empire? Now, if that still is prohibitive and we have zero dollars, let's say, the number one thing I would say after really sitting down and owning who you are and understanding authentically who you are, because if we don't do that first, you're already sunk. I can't help. Okay. The second thing is remaining consistent. I do a lot of work with my dear friend, Ryan Serhant, who is the, the real estate broker in New York City. He was on Million Dollar Listing. I head up along with um, multiple other of my colleagues um, uh, uh, a course called Sirhan Pro at, at Sirhan, and we train real estate agents in this exact matter. And the number one thing we talk about at Sirhan Pro is focusing on something called consistent content, which is constantly remaining top of mind with the potential consumer. Keep in mind, consumer doesn't have to transact today. They could tr transact in seven years. And that's what's important to remember here. I want people to be posting content that is authentic to them regularly. Today, that's three to five times per week on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, et cetera, your platforms of choice. But it's all about consistency because people expect success here overnight. 
This is a long tail strategy for your brand to do the work for you. Right now, I'm very lucky, except for in rare instances, I don't have to go and pitch business. I have business come to me by my reputation, word of mouth, referral, and all of the work I do to build my personal brand. So ultimately, if you with zero dollars have a product or a brand that you want to promote, let's be clear, everyone has a brand that they should want to promote no matter who you are. I would say starting to post top tier, high caliber content that is authentic to you, that is thoughtful, but most importantly, that you're posting consistently is the number one thing you can do. And if you're doing the math, that's absolutely free for you to do. And one thing that people can do if they, if you're, if you don't have your own content, and if you're not sure that you have the skill, or maybe you're not the greatest writer in the world on your topic, you can share other people's content with, like, go to LinkedIn and make a brief comment and repost somebody, and you're still putting content out there. As long as you do it consistently, you don't have to be inventing a lot of things, right? That's certainly the case. I mean, you can take case in point my LinkedIn. I I work closely with my team and they pull anywhere from, you know, let's say five to 10 potential articles per week that I might be interested on commenting. Um, and then I'll choose three that I will share on LinkedIn. And then I'll write a paragraph about my thoughts regarding the matter. So I didn't come up with the topic. I'm sharing someone else's content so I can tag them in it to grow my ecosystem. But then beyond that, I can give you my very truthful thoughts about what I feel about the matter, whether it's Target or Budweiser or Barbie or Oppenheimer. We can have those discussions through my specific lens. And some consumers love the lens. I I tell through. Some people don't. And that's just further proof that being consistent here is is really key. So if you're, oh, I I don't know what field it might be. Let's let's say you're in real estate because you mentioned that. You could uh, be posting articles about trends, about uh, things in the news that might impact uh, your community. There are all kinds of things that you could be sharing without having to uh, be showing yourself as an expert. If you're just getting started, what you're showing is that you're on top of uh, the news, that you're interested, that you care about other people, that you're open to um, support other people. You can get all those messages across, even if you're kind of shy about building your own content. Is that Absolutely. And keep in mind, absolutely, Beverly. And keep in mind, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. But real estate is a perfect example. Right now, let's say you got your real estate license today. You've never done a transaction. You have no idea what you're doing. Google is your best friend, right? I always say that. Um, Posting an article from Forbes in the last month, because God knows they've posted something about real estate in the last month, okay? Um, Talking about interest rates, Let's say interest rates are in the fives now. That might be a little low, but let's say six, okay? Interest rates are in the sixes, theoretically, right now. And sure, that's significantly more than when they were in the twos in 2021 or 2022. What I would stress in this scenario is, yeah, but prices and and home values aren't as exorbitantly high as they were then. So it makes sense, right, to purchase at the price you want and refi when and if the rates go down. That is 
an opinion that I personally hold. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not a financial advisor, but you know, what I would say is in that scenario, I make that claim and people will see that and either resonate with it or not. I created no original content. I leveraged someone else's content and had an opinion about it. That's what most people want to see. And the fact is that even if you are not posting on social media, even if you're not trying to kind of spread the word about what you're doing in this day, you're out there somewhere. Somebody's taken a picture of you at a party. Uh, You're going to be on a list somewhere. So you do have a presence. You do have a brand, even if you're not taking responsibility for it. So what you can do by shaping your brand is um, give other things that will come up first if people are are looking uh, to get to know who you are. Maybe you're applying for a job or something. You want to have things out there. So it's not just some random picture, you know, at a wedding that uh, brings you up. Uh, If you have that consistent contact, right? Absolutely. And, And you make a really good point. Obviously, we all know this somewhere in the back of our heads, but I've never thought about it this. Uh, I've never thought about it this way, Beverly. You make a really good point, right? Whether or not you tend to your personal brand, it doesn't mean you don't have one. And I always say that we can we can't control how a consumer. And let me be clear: uh, a potential hiring manager is a consumer when they're looking to purchase a person to work with them, right? In, in so many words. So what is interesting here is we cannot control how people find you. We can only control the narrative once they're there. So if your Instagram is really terrible and someone hits that first before they hit your incredible YouTube and your incredible LinkedIn, you're already failed. Instead, really focusing on, let me ensure every single way that an individual can hit my ecosystem, Tyler Mount's ecosystem, Beverly's ecosystem, will be top-notch. Because again, I can't help that someone took a photo of me on a red carpet four years ago and it's the first thing that pops up. I can control that I'm going to saturate that Google search page with content I really want to show. So that's how I would how I would focus on it as well. Because to your point, Beverly, whether or not you know it, whether or not you tend to it, every single person on earth has a personal brand. It's the ones who leverage that who have an easier time. I think that is a good way to end this. This has been really interesting. I um, want to emphasize the authenticity as being key and also going back to the way you show up at work uh, that you started us with, Tyler. It's all about how you present yourself in real life. You know, are you are you doing the work? Are you bringing enthusiasm, all of those kind of things. And when you're doing those things, then it gets easier to project because you have some strength behind the brand that you're, you're trying to create. And you certainly um, have done that. And it's been fun getting a chance to talk with you about it. Thank you so much, Beverly. Well, have a great day. I appreciate it. You too. Today, we've been talking about branding with video and digital marketing expert, Tyler Mount. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Beverly Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. 
and our sponsor is the Voidenberg School of Leadership and Public Service at Ohio University. Today's tip is that your brand is influenced by what other people say about you, but the keystone of your professional brand is how you show up and the choices you make every single day at work. Thanks for listening to Jazz About Work, and if you enjoyed this episode, please spread the word about our show. Thank you.